Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Wow, this is my first solo episode in a long time. Uh, actually, at least I think it is. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't have the best memory, so th- there's a good possibility that I recorded a solo episode recently, and I just don't remember. So, this is Hal Elrod. Regardless, welcome my fellow goal achievers to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. We just got back. We being uh, John Bergoff, myself, and uh, 49 of what we call our QLMers, and QLM stands for Quantum Leap Mastermind. And uh, this is a mastermind we've run for, I think, four years. This is the fourth year, I think. And uh, we had 49 awesome, heart-centered, big thinking, uh, just just phenomenal human beings, entrepreneurs uh, here in uh, just outside of Austin, Texas, and Lakeway at this room that God, the entire wall was glass and it was up high on a hill overlooking the water and the mountains. It was just, it was magical. And uh, it's hard to put into words what happened the last few days, but it was really, uh, I, I guess, echoing what our members said on the last day when they were kind of sharing, just really powerful transformations. People were in tears saying that, A, what happened was not what they expected to happen. And that's kind of, our masterminds are very different than most masterminds. And, uh, uh, number one was they didn't know what they expected or what they expected to happen. It was, or they didn't know what to expect. It was completely different. And they were in tears, just a lot of them saying um, how they're, they, they are a different person leaving those three days than when they arrived. It was really, really, really powerful. And at some point, John and I maybe will jump on a, uh, a, a podcast and do a full in-depth recap and teach you some lessons from the retreat. But that is not today. Today's topic, what I did to beat cancer. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And this is actually, it's, it's a, there, I've wanted to write this into a book. I've had a lot of people say, Hal, are you going to write a book, you know, Miracle Morning for Cancer Patients or something like that? And I've really put a lot of thought into it because um, there's so much that we don't know. The, the general population, myself included, that, that we don't know when it comes to um, combating or healing from cancer. And I was very fortunate and blessed that I've got a lot of great mentors and resources and I was able to discover kind of a path that led me to healing myself of, or not just healing myself, but healing myself with the help of uh, phenomenal doctors and, and, and friends and, and support. And uh, I want to talk about uh, what I did to, to heal and to beat cancer, if you will. And you know why, why does that apply to you? If you're listening, and you're like, well, I don't have cancer and I don't plan on getting cancer. The, statistically, it's one in two, right? One in two men in our lifetime will have cancer and one in three women. You think about that, it's crazy. It's like a science fiction movie where there's this deadly disease that you know nobody fully understands, or at least they say they don't understand what causes it and how to prevent it. Now, I, you know, without getting too in-depth, it's a billion-dollar industry where you know, uh, the people that make money from it may not want you to prevent it or me to prevent it because then they'd be out of business. They'd be out of a job. You know, it's something to think about. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that throughout today's episode. But if you consider that one in two people are going to get cancer, one in two men, one in three women, that's what the stats say. And I don't know where those stats actually come from. I should have Googled, uh, <laughs> found that out. I'm sure you can in, uh, in a few seconds. But 
the uh, that that that's scary, right? That means that you know half of the men on the planet, half, a third of the women are going to come down with this disease that um, that they don't have a full blown cure for, and the cure that they do have, uh, being chemotherapy and radiation, wreak havoc on your body. So you might say, well, there's got to be a better way. And that was really my my approach when I was diagnosed with cancer. So let me start at the beginning real quick. And again, if you're listening and you don't have cancer, uh, I'm going to talk about how to prevent cancer. I'm going to talk about what things uh, you know we found that you can do to prevent cancer or to lessen or minimize your chances of getting cancer. Also, you may know someone that has cancer, and this may be an episode that you want to share with them. So if you don't want to get cancer, this episode's for you. If you have cancer, this episode's for you. If you know someone that has cancer or that you don't want to have cancer, this episode is for you, for them, et cetera. So it really is an important topic. And for me, years ago, roughly 10 years ago, I watched a documentary called Healing Cancer from the Inside Out. Uh, I'd encourage everybody to watch that documentary. Now, you might be thinking, well, Hal, you watched the documentary and you still got cancer, so (laughs) we'll get to that in a second. But that documentary really opened my eyes to the causes of cancer and and how a lot of it is self-imposed. And and the only, I believe the only cause of death in the United States that is more prevalent than cancer is heart disease. And both of those many types of cancer and heart disease in and of itself, those are often, you know, lifestyle related, diet related, et cetera. You can absolutely eat a diet that causes cancer, and you can absolutely eat a diet that causes heart disease. In fact, it's called the American, you know, I think it's called the the SAD, right? Standard American diet. So that means that you could also change your diet in a way that minimizes the chances that you're going to get cancer and minimizes the chance that you're going to get heart disease. So I ate an anti-cancer diet and the cancer that I got was not diet related. Typically cancers from my understanding and, and, you know, quick disclaimer, right? I'm not an oncologist. This isn't my area of expertise. I'm just sharing with you from my personal experience and, you know, dozens and dozens of hours of researching and, and talking to holistic doctor, doctors and talking to people that beat their cancer naturally and uh, working with one of the best oncologists in the world, specifically for leukemia, which is what I had, a blood cancer, which they don't know, well, apparently don't know what causes it. And it's definitely not diet related. So it was really scary when I got it because it was like, well, I always thought if I got, if I got cancer, I would just change my diet. I would improve my diet. You know, I'd say it was, it was, it was great before I got cancer, but I would just go, it would be bulletproof. It would be, you know, not a piece of sugar in my diet, et cetera, et cetera. And before cancer, you know, I definitely would have some coconut ice cream, uh, you know, a few nights a week, et cetera. So it wasn't perfect. It was good, but it could always be better. So when I got the cancer that they said, no, this isn't diet related. Uh, I was like, oh crap, I, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I, I don't have any tricks in my toolkit on how to, you know, reverse this. I thought diet was the way I would be able to do it. So it was a October 2016 when I woke up. So for those of you that don't know the story, I'll give just a quick kind of recap of how this started. Uh, October 2016, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night and I was struggling to breathe. I was gasping for air. And I thought it was a nightmare. You know, you wake up sometimes gasping for air if you're having a nightmare. I thought that's what it was, but I couldn't catch my breath. And uh, my wife woke up next to me and I, you know, she goes, sit up, sit up, sit up, you know, and she put pillows behind my back. And as I sat up straighter, uh, as opposed to laying down, I was able to breathe a little bit better. Still wasn't great, but I was able to breathe a little bit better. And then I had to sleep sitting up that night and it did, the next day it was just as bad. And so my wife uh, sent me to the urgent care. They misdiagnosed me with pneumonia. 
And then a few days later, went into my regular uh, family physician and uh, he, he ran a bunch of tests and came back and, and I, he called me in and said, uh, hey, you have, uh, it looks like you have either some sort of weird viral infection that's causing your lymph nodes to expand and swell up and, and it's, it's causing excess fluid to collapse your left lung or it really is the signs of some form of lymphoma cancer. And, you know, I mean, for anyone who has cancer or and you can probably imagine if you've never had cancer, you go, what? Like, there's no way. Never in a million years. And I think that's for most things. Like when I was in my car accident, hit head on by a drunk driver, you think, well, those things happen to other people. Like that stuff doesn't happen to me. Like my life's okay. I'm, I'm good. Right. Cancer that, you know, it's a sad, it's a tragic thing, but you think like, it happens to other people, especially if you live a healthy lifestyle. You know, I really thought I would never, ever since I watched that movie, Healing Cancer from the Inside Out, and I, I started eating more in alignment and living more in alignment with that. I thought I wouldn't get, you know, I was kind of immune from cancer. And, and then you kind of find there are so many causes of cancer from the water that we drink that has chlorine in it to the food that we eat to radiation that we might get. So I, for me, the, the one of the theories is that when I had my car accident, when I was 20 years old, hit head on by a drunk driver, dead for six minutes, broke 11 bones, ruptured my lung, punctured my spleen or punctured my lung, ruptured my spleen. And I had to go through, you know, ton, I had many surgeries and essentially they, I had a lot of radiation, right? Lots of CAT scans, lots of MRIs and radiation manipulates your cells. And it, it definitely can be a cause of cancer. And uh, a week or uh, about a week or two before I was diagnosed with cancer, I fell wakeboarding and I had, uh, I got a concussion. And so I had to go in for uh, a CAT scan, MRI, and the doctors, one of their theories is that, that when you have radiation from those types of procedures that can manipulate your cells and actually create cancer cells that can kind of lie dormant, those can be reactivated if you get more radiation. And so that's one of the theories is that any manipulation to my cells or my DNA that occurred from the excessive radiation that I had when I was 20 years old, I'm 38 now, I was 37 when I got cancer. They, uh, the theory is that, that when I went and had the concussion and I went and had a lot more radiation, or not a lot more, a little more, but the, the, the thought is that that could have reactivated those cancer cells and, and caused, caused them to you know, become, you know, turn into this leukemia. It was a very fast acting leukemia. So I went and got a second opinion from one of the top cancer hospitals in the world, MD Anderson, which is in Houston, I live in Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, a few hours away. We drove down there, uh, we being my, my wife, myself, my, my father, my father-in-law flew in to kind of support me and, and help. And they confirmed that I had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And the, maybe the, the worst part about that is the, the survival rate for adults with lymphoblastic or acute lymphoblastic leukemia is 30%. So imagine, right, if you, you are diagnosed with cancer and uh, they say this is a very rare, very aggressive form of cancer, one of the most rare in adults. Ironically, it's not rare in children. So children actually, this is actually a very common cancer in children, and there's like an 80% survival rate. So it's actually pretty good, pretty good chances. Um, and But for adults, for whatever reason, I don't remember the reasons, but uh, it's a 30% survival rate. And for those of you that are, you know, glass is half empty, right? That's a 70% you're going to die rate. Which if someone says, hey, you have a 70% chance of dying in the next six to 12 months, that's pretty scary, right? As, as optimistic or as positive as, as you might be or I might be, that's a scary thing. And so when I was told the got my official diagnosis, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, I looked my oncologist in the eye and I said, hey, you know, thank you. I'm not a big fan of chemotherapy, right? Chemotherapy, 
is uh, it's a, it's a very strong, devastating drug. It wreaks havoc on your body, uh, you know, and the cancer. That's kind of I've, <laughs> one of my one of my uh, my nurses who she's specifically a leukemia nurse, uh, you know, working with oncologists for the last twenty years or something. It's kind of her expertise, and uh, she you know she said that our our approach is that the cancer or the chemotherapy and the drugs that we give you that they kill the uh, cancer and we give you as much of these chemotherapy as much of the chemotherapy as we can to kill the cancer and then we we stop when you're you know before we kill you that that's the goal that's kind of the and she kind of it was kind of like a you know how let me give you the real layman's terms of like what this is right we're giving you a drug that is wreaking havoc on your organs wreaking havoc on your body our hope is that it kills the cancer before it kills you it's like all right that does not sound like the best strategy to me there's got to be a better way and that was my thought especially having watched that documentary years before uh healing cancer from the inside out and uh so i went to my so i went to my oncologist when he told me and i said hey i don't want to poison my body with chemotherapy i'd like to cure my cancer or heal my cancer or beat this cancer as naturally and holistically as possible uh you know through diet through supplementation through you know i i, I said I, I don't even know all the different ways but can you support me in that and my doctor said without hesitation he said how you, you don't have a cancer that you have time to change your lifestyle or to implement holistic practices he said a week ago you were totally healthy this week your lung is failing your heart is on about on the verge of failing and your kidneys are on the verge of failing he said you literally if you don't start chemotherapy in the next you know 24 hours to 48 hours he said you'll be dead in a matter of you know between a matter of days and i I'd estimate about a week at the rate that you're going and i didn't like that at all not, not that obviously i didn't like that i would be dead in a week but i didn't like i just i thought it was a scare tactic you know I, I just thought the doctor was trying to scare me into chemotherapy kind of and so i didn't like that and uh, I and part of it was just the way i think he approached it that he didn't you know there was no consideration there was no conversation it was just i said hey doctor can you support me doing this holistically and he was like you're going to be dead in a week and i said okay well can i have 24 hours to you know or 12 hours or something to to go talk to my family and and, and kind of figure this out and uh he said sure and i you know we, we jumped onto dr google right and uh consulted dr google and when we consulted dr google with acute lymphoblastic leukemia basically you find out that oh this is very real like the doctor it wasn't a scare tactic it, most people die from and we'll call it's all right acute lymphoblastic leukemia or all for short so um uh, most people die from aol most people that die that do die from all they often die from it before they're diagnosed with it like it's so fast it, it attacks your body so fast that uh most people they are kind of like me i was misdiagnosed with pneumonia right and if i would have just thought that was the diagnosis and not gotten that gone into my family physician for kind of a second opinion and some testing i would have just kept taking the antibiotics that they gave me at urgent care and I would have died, right? So that's what happens with a lot of people. And so when I did a little bit of research and consulted Dr. Google, uh, I realized, oh, okay, this isn't a like this cancer is no joke. This is not that any cancer is a joke, but this cancer, like it, it's you know, it, it's so fast to take somebody to kill someone that um, I don't have time to try some holistic stuff and do a lot of research and this and that. So as much as it pained me. My hand was kind of forced and I went in for leukemia uh, the next day and I, they hooked me up. I started hyper C-bad. Now, 
let me give you a quick uh, understanding of what the chemotherapy regimen that I was on, what it's like. So hyper CVAD, and you can you know Google that if you want. It's hyper and letter C dash V A D. Hyper CVAD chemotherapy. It's one of the most intense chemotherapies, if not the most intense chemotherapies in the world. Now, in other words, if chemotherapy wreaks havoc on your body, all chemotherapy does. This chemotherapy wreaks the most havoc on your body, and I think that you know it's also kind of there's a correlation of why the survival rate. For ALL, it's 30% because many people die from the chemotherapy. And so it's, it's kind of terrifying. You're like, well, I'm going to the doctor to make me better, but what they're giving me is deadly. Like it, it is deadly. It is literally killing me while they're giving it to me, right? Hopefully their hope is it kills the cancer first and I, my body's strong enough to live through that period of killing the cancer before I die. And uh, so it's like, it's like, oh, uh, you know, how do you, especially when you have, you know, I've got, I've got two kids. I've got, and, and I, at that time they were seven and four that, you know, they're now a year older and I've got a wife and I've got, you know, a life that I've built that I love. And to, you know, to face this was just, it was terrifying. And it was, you know, um, I was extraordinarily optimistic, um, you know, the way that I look at statistics and I'd actually, uh, I, I want to uh, share this, you know, 30% chance to live. I just recently listened to Brian Johnson. His brother was diagnosed with cancer uh, just, just a, you know, I think it was a few weeks ago from the day I'm recording this episode. In fact, I had a call with Brian a couple of days ago and he's, he's in the Miracle Morning movies. Um, he's, so Brian's a, a great friend. And so he just released this video, which I encourage everyone, again, everyone that's listening to this, whether you don't have cancer, but you don't want it, which I would imagine is every person that doesn't have cancer doesn't want it, right? The best way to beat cancer is to prevent it 100%. And we're going to touch on a little bit of that in this episode. I'll give you some resources. Um, and uh, and that's really, I really want to share with you the strategy that I took today to, so just so you understand, like I'm not going to go in depth on this episode on what you should do if you have cancer, how you beat it, what you, you know, everything, all the supplements that you take and all the procedures and the, the protocol, right? That's not what the, today's about. This is more big picture on, hey, here's the mindset. Here's the strategy I took. And if you want to prevent cancer, you this is the strategy I'm encouraging. And I'm going to give you resources, the, the resources that opened my eyes and gave me specifics on how to implement the mindset and strategy that I'm going to share with you or that I am sharing with you. I'm going to give you those resources. One of the best is this, it's a pretty brand new video and a Brian Johnson conquering cancer 101. And if you just go to Facebook and you type in Brian, B-R-I-A-N Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, Brian Johnson conquering cancer 101 on Facebook, you should find that video. And uh, it's a one hour video and it's 10 different top and it's very well done. And I, I highly, highly recommend recommend it. And Brian is on a mission. His bro- his older brother that ha- now has cancer. Brian is on a mission to help his brother solve uh, or, or you know beat or cure or heal from the cancer and uh, do it in as positive, proactive, healthy way as possible. And Brian, he is the uh, founder of Philosopher Notes, the founder of Optimize.me, I think, or .com or .net. Um, but it's Optimize. This is his business, his company. And uh, his business philosopher notes, they do book summaries. So he's like, he is a, he's just a brilliant researcher and he's a brilliant synthesizer of information. And so that's kind of, he realized, well, hey, that's my, that's my expertise is finding the best information out there and synthesizing it in a way that people can take it in, in a, you know, in a quicker, you know, not have to read 20 books. He reads the 20 books and then he synthesizes it into summaries that give you what you need to know from those books and, and what you need to implement to make, you know, to create results. And so 
He's doing that for his brother. He's on a mission right now. His life is dedicated right now to saving his brother's life, essentially. So in that video, though, he shared a great quote about the statistics of, of cancer. So I, t- I mentioned I had a 30% survival rate is what I was given. And for most people, that's terrifying. You know, It's like, oh my gosh, I have a 70% chance of dying. I'm going to die. What if I die? And they're c- consumed with fear. I was not consumed with fear. Yes, it was terrifying to get the news, but only for a few minutes. And then I processed it and I show, I decided, okay, well, I cannot change the statistic that's been given to me, but I can choose to be one of the 30% that lives and beats this cancer. So think about that, right? Is when you're given a statistic and you have, oh, and by the way, this is, I don't think funny is the right word, but I thought I was given a 10% chance of living. One, So I actually... 30%, I found that out after because I started quoting that I was given a 10% chance of living in speeches and interviews. And then I thought, I better make sure that's accurate. So I Googled, you know, what are the survival rates for adults for acute lymphoblastic leukemia? And it, it, it's not 10%, it's 30%. But here's the deal. My reality was 10%. I thought, I don't know where that came from. I don't know if a doctor told me that or I found that Googling or what. But I thought that I had a 10% chance of living statistically and a 90% chance of dying. So that's actually the statistic that I was, my reality was based on because I don't know how I got the misinformation, but I did. I didn't find out it was 30% until a few weeks ago, long after I beat cancer, when I started working on you know a new book and I want to make sure the information I was sharing was accurate. And I went, oh, shoot, I was saying 10%. It wasn't 10%. But again, our reality is our reality. So imagine you thought you had a 10, whether it's 10% or 30%, you know, I don't know that it matters, but I thought I had a 10% chance of living and I decided, well, I'm not a statistic. I will be one of the 10% that beats this cancer. There is no other option. And I implemented something I called the miracle equation. And, and we'll, we're going to, you know, I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes here. The miracle equation, uh, the miracle equation, by the way, is it's been in my heart to write that book for a long time. It is the formula that I used back in the day to break sales records. And then I used it you know, with making Miracle Morning a bestseller. And then I used it to beat cancer. And once I used it to beat this cancer and to beat the odds of being given a 10 or a 30% chance of living, you know, it felt like the timing is now right. And so that is, that's the book that I'm working on, The Miracle Equation. I'm not promoting it or anything right now because it's not going to be out for at least a year probably. But, um, but just, so, just so you're in the loop on that. So Brian Johnson... Back to the statistics, whether you're given a 10% chance, 30% chance of living or whatever it is, he says, statistics are just information, not condemnation. Statistics are just information, not condemnation. In other words, right? Many people, if they're diagnosed with cancer and they're told you have a 30% chance of living, right? They take that as condemnation. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Like again, they're consumed with fear. Now fear, right? What does that do? It releases cortisol throughout your brain and your body. Which is the right the stress response, and which causes all sorts of physical ailments, all sorts of it, it makes your body very acidic, right? So, so you don't want to be stressed when you're trying to heal. You don't be stressed at all. But when you live in fear of what could go wrong, of the worst case scenario, right? You are much more likely to manifest the worst case scenario. So, if you are consumed with fear of the worst case scenario. You are, especially if it's a physical ailment, a death or cancer or whatever, that fear is creating that worst case scenario in real time, right? So knowing that, I decided like fear is not going to be a part of this journey for me, like the cancer journey. I'm not going to live my life in fear. 
Uh, you know, and if you've heard me share before, you know, the five minute rule that it's okay to be negative for five minutes, but not, there's no point, no value in dwelling on something beyond giving yourself five minutes to experience your emotions, to vent, to cry, to scream, to punch something, you know, not someone, but something like a wall or a pillow is better. Right. But, but if you think about it, that, that, so accepting all things you can't change, that's something I've lived by for a long time. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I immediately went, okay, this is terrifying. However, I can't change that I have cancer, so I'm going to accept it. I'm going to be at peace with it. I'm not going to live in fear of it. I'm going to focus. I'm going to accept 100% of you know what's happening to me, 100% unconditional acceptance. And I encourage you, that, I mean, that is the key to free yourself from emotional pain. When you accept it, it doesn't mean you're happy about it. I wasn't happy that I had cancer. But when you accept it, you're able to be at peace with it. And peace is not an emotion like happiness where it's fleeting. You can be happy one minute, get bad news, now you're upset, get good news, now you're happy again, right? But when you live in a state of peace, which you access that state of mind or that state of being through unconditional acceptance, that five-minute rule is a great transition to acceptance where you give yourself five, you don't try to immediately accept it. You give yourself five minutes to feel the pain, even feel the fear. Five minutes of fear is okay, right? Five months of fear will kill you. Right, five years or five decades of fear will, you know, I mean, that will kill you. And five months of fear for me with with cancer, I probably would have made the cancer cells. I would have fed them with fear, and I would have been dead. Most likely, it's theoretically. I have no idea. But anyway, so statistics are information, not condemnation. So most people take a statistic like you have a thirty percent chance of living as condemnation. They live in fear. You need to look at that as information, and you need to realize that the seventy percent that have died of cancer. Right. And I can't speak obviously for individual cases, but I would imagine that many of them probably had a lot of fear. Right. And the 30% that lived, not that they didn't have fear, but I would imagine that their, their mindset, you know, I've, I've, I, one thing I did is I read a lot of books. Anti cancer was one of them. Great book. Anti cancer, highly recommend it. But I read a lot of books on beating cancer naturally. Right. That was like my thing because I did the chemotherapy. And then here's my decision, by the way. Let, let me, for those of you that have hung around this long into the podcast, let me share with you my strategy overall for how I approached uh, beating cancer. And here's what it, here's the the big picture of the strategy. And this is what most people do not do. Most cancer patients do not do this. Okay, and uh, and I believe this is why one of the main reasons why I beat cancer. Two reasons. Number one was my mindset that I was focused on what I wanted. I was focused on. The positive, I was focused on, you know, I was visualizing myself living to be a hundred years. I was using affirmations every day. I was dwelling on not my fear, but on my faith, faith in what was possible for my future, faith in healing, faith in living a long, healthy, prosperous, abundant life. Uh, that faith, I traded in the fear for the faith. So the first thing was the mindset. That's a big part of it. That's a big part of the miracle equation, which we're going to wrap up with here in a few minutes. However, the second part of it is the strategy. And here's the strategy. I simply combined the best that allopathic medicine has to offer allopathic or also commonly known as Western medicine. Uh, I combined the best that allopathic Western medicine have to offer, which means doing what my doctor told me to do, right? One of the best oncologists uh, in the world for leukemia, you know, trusting him and doing what he told me to do. I combined that with the best that holistic practices have to offer. And I'll tell you, when I asked my doctor, again, one of the best oncologists in the world, what part 
does diet play in my healing? What part does me detoxifying my liver since chemo, right? Uh, a lot of people die when they die from chemo, they often die from chemo toxicity, which is the chemo building up in various organs like your liver that are, you know, that filter out toxins, your kidneys as well. And I asked what part, you know, what, what are the best strategies to detoxify my kidneys and my liver? Because obviously the chemo is going to be building up in those areas. And my doctor literally didn't know. He didn't know. Think about that. The best oncologist in the world, one of the best in the world, he doesn't know. Why? Because in med school, they don't teach you, they don't spend a lot of time teaching you about holistic practices, right? Med schools, which are, you know, and I don't mean, to, I don't want to get political here or whatever, but the general understanding that I have is that pharmaceutical companies largely fund a lot of the medical schools. And I may be misspeaking where the funding comes from or where it goes. I've also heard that oncologists are the only doctors that get a commission for the drugs that they sell. Again, that's hearsay. I don't, don't quote me on it. I don't know that that's a fact. And I love, you know, and I believe my oncologist, even though he didn't have a lot of knowledge around anything holistic or natural, I believe he's doing the best he can with what he knows, you know? So, and I believe that's true for you know, most, if not all doctors, well, most doctors, right? They're doing the best they can with what they know. And, and I love, you know, I appreciate my doc. If it wasn't for my doctor that figured out that I had cancer, I'd be dead. So I'm grateful for every doctor out there, the great work that you're doing. Thank you for that. But the reality was, and I, and I, I asked another friend who is a doctor, I said, what, or he's an oncologist. He said, what, uh, how much time do you spend in med school on diet? And they said, or, or my friend said, I think it was like, three days or something. So how many years med school is, right? And I think different, depending on which doc, you know, which, what, what PhD you're getting, it's, it's different for uh, each doctor, but you know, many, 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 many years. And there's a few days spent on diet. So my doctor, I said, what, what part does diet play? And he said, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as you do the chemotherapy. And I, I know I'm smart enough to know diet plays a role in everything. Sugar feeds cancer. That is unequivocally uh, factual. I, I think the research is has proven. There's so much research out there from so many credible sources and studies that have proven that cancer is fed by sugar or forms of sugar, even bleached flour that then is converted into glucose in the body feeds the cancer, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so when he's telling me it doesn't matter, I'm like, that, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Doc. Right? And and you know, and then I'm I, I go, oh. Is that why when I'm in the hospital cafeteria, there are people that are hooked up to their IV, literally getting chemotherapy dripped into their vein, and because you told them diet doesn't matter, they're drinking a 44-ounce Big Gulp soda and eating a you know antibiotic-fed cheeseburger with bleached with a bleached flour bun and antibiotic-fed you know um, cheese. I mean, on and on and on killed me. And it really, at first it was very hard to trust my doctor because of the things that I knew from either A, common sense, or B, just doing a little bit of basic research. And he would say, these things don't matter. Or, or he would say, I don't know. And it was hard to trust my doctor at first. And then the further I went and the more books I read, I realized, oh, he's telling me what he knows. Like, this is his experience. This is his knowledge. This is the training that he has. He's doing the best that he can. And so part of my affirmations went from, like, I went from being afraid and not being able to trust my doctor and not, or not allowing myself to trust my doctor to, I have an affirmation that says, I trust my doctor. Un, yeah, I have unwavering trust for my doctor that he is doing the best that he can and doing the best that he knows, you know, with what he knows. 
And I decided I'm going to do everything that I would do on my own holistically if I were as if I had were not getting the chemotherapy. So I'm going to basically cure my cancer in two ways. I, I took a two-prong approach, right? I'm going to do it with allopathic Western medicine, the best that they have to offer, and I'm going to simultaneously do it with the best that natural holistic methods that have worked for hundreds, if not thousands of people that decided to do this on their own and do it naturally. Now, does it always work? No. Steve Jobs tried that and he died. He died. He had pancreatic cancer. And now it said, and that scared me a lot too. I thought, well, he went totally natural and he, it didn't work for him. And he's got all the money and resources in the world. From what I understand, Steve Jobs waited or I, I don't know. I, you can look up Steve Jobs. I don't want to make any any false claims here about what Steve did or didn't do, but because I don't remember. But I did do a lot of you know. I read as many articles as I could on Steve Jobs in the very beginning when I was trying to decide whether to go all natural or not. And that's when I realized that was part of the realization of I got to give Western medicine you know a chance here. And so, so here's the point of the is this: if you go to an oncol a traditional oncologist, typically my experience, and I, and I talked to many, many oncologists. I mean, you know, probably, well, many, many being at least probably three or four. So not many, many, let, let me back up. The many, many being, I talked to my initial oncologist. I talked to an oncologist. So that was at MD Anderson. I talked, well, I, actually it's not three or four. It's probably at least a dozen because I talked to every oncologist. I met with many oncologists at MD Anderson. So I talked to many oncologists there. I found two oncologists here in Lakeway to support me or in uh, Austin, Texas, where I live. So I had two oncologists here and then I was, and then I would read books by oncologists, you know, and, and so I learned from a lot of oncologists and they, if I ask what to do holistically, they don't have, that's not their expertise. They usually don't even know anything about it. And so they would, same as my oncologist, just do whatever, you know, just do the chemo. And as long as you do the chemo, you can do whatever else you want, essentially. And, and that's, that's not true. And if you look at the, can, uh, here's what I would ask is, hey, hey, doc, you know, if you have a 30% survival rate, so do you think I should just trust you unequivocally without thinking for myself? And that's the problem I think for most cancer patients is they, Yes, trust your doc. That's great. But they trust their doc and they don't take an active role in the healing process. They don't take an active role in, the, in healing their cancer. They just do what their doctor says. And their doctor, again, doesn't have the training typically in the holistic methods and practices that you know can aid in saving their life. So for me, what was I doing? Well, I was doing coffee enemas. Now, coffee enemas are controversial. You'll find a lot of support that says they're phenomenal. You'll find a lot of support that says they're not. Much of it is from the traditional community that, you know, oncologists and such that are saying that, you know, oh, no, 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 this is a dangerous practice and whatever. But here's the point. Coffee enemas are designed to, it detoxifies your, um, can't remember if it's kidneys or liver. You have to forgive me. I'm not a details person. So what happens is I do all this research. I learn all the details and then I make a decision at that moment. Well, as soon as a week passes, and for me now it's been many, many months, but I don't usually remember the details that led me to the decision that I made, right? So I want you to understand that. So if I forget stuff, it's not that I didn't do the research. It's that I don't remember the details, right? Brain damage from a car accident, a bitch. Uh, brain damage from chemo. Uh, chemo brain, as they call it, right? Is just is icing on the cake. So that that's the overall approach that I would encourage. And let me give you some resources. First resource I already gave you, that is Brian Johnson's new video. It's totally free. I found it on Facebook. I don't know if it's on YouTube as well. It probably is, but it's Conquering Cancer 101. So just type in onto Facebook, Brian Johnson, Conquering Cancer 101. Highly recommend that. Now, that's a new resource. It's only been up for a few days. The resource that I leveraged through my journey was Chris Beat 
chrisbeatcancer.com. C-H-R-I-S, chrisbeatcancer.com. Now, Chris, uh, Chris Wark is the gentleman's name. I've, I've spoken with him on the phone. I got a sense. I wanted to talk to him to really get a sense for his heart and his intentions. And uh, I, I really intuitively felt that they're very pure. He is someone that cured himself of cancer naturally. Uh, the doctor said, if you do that, you're going to die. You know, And that's where I think that scare tactic sometimes come in place. Do the chemo, you're going to die. Or it's just them, to their knowledge, that's all they know. All they know is chemo. They don't know anything else, right? And again, that's a broad statement. I'm not saying it's every doctor, but they don't know, you know, many oncologists don't know anything else. So in their mind, either you do the chemo or you die because there's no other option, right? They don't know about, well, how about the hundreds or thousands of people that that decided to be brave and, and heal their cancer naturally through various methods? What about them? And the oncologists, you know, I don't know what their take is on that, but again, they don't, that's not their area of expertise. So. But combining the best of both worlds was the approach that I took, and I truly believe it's why I am alive today. I combined the best of holistic and the best of allopathic medicine. And, and I didn't quite finish explaining ChrisBeatCancer.com. So he beat cancer, I think it was 13 years ago. So he's been in remission. He's been clean of cancer for 13 years. When he was diagnosed, it was, I think, stage three colon cancer, which stage three is you're, you're pretty far along. You know, It's not like at that point. And I, his doctors did tell him he'd be dead in a matter of, I can't remember how long, months or weeks. And he decided that he was brave and he went for it. What he's done since then is he's interviewed hundreds of people that have beat their cancer completely naturally. And he's interviewed uh, dozens and dozens of holistic doctors and oncologists, traditional oncologists as well, to get kind of a full spectrum, you know, like what do the... What do all these, the best doctors in the world, what do they say? And what is their expertise, especially the ones that are holistic and that are natural? So for me, I felt my hand was kind of forced. I didn't have the option based on my type of cancer to go all natural, all holistic. Uh, however, I decided that, okay, I've got to do the chemo, but I'm going to do everything naturally to build my immune system, to detoxify my organs, and to do everything I need to do to heal my cancer and support my body while it's being, you know, re- havoc is being wreaked on it by this hyper CVAT chemo. And I, <laughs> I'm so ADD. I, I forgot to, fin- to close that loop as well. Let me close it now. The hyper CVAT chemo, I mentioned one of the most intense chemos in the world. So many people that go, that have cancer, every, everyone's chemo regimen, they're, you know, they're different, like for different types of cancer. Breast cancer has, a, you know, there's a few different types of regimens for breast cancer. My aunt just was diagnosed with breast cancer, sadly. And Nancy, if you're listening to this, I love you. You're going to beat this. I have no doubt in my mind. Unwavering faith. Maintain unwavering faith, Nancy. Focus on being one of those that make it, that make it, right? Statistics are not condemnation. They are information. And you get to choose, I believe, we have that. We have the power of mind over body, or the influence of our mind and our body. And so, yeah, Nancy, I love you. You're going to make it. So, depending on what chemo you get, um, uh, I think Nancy, she's on one chemo drug, and I think she goes in like well, I think once a month, roughly, for her chemo. Uh, and that's many cancer patients. They go through you know their chemo, and and often that causes them to be you know very sick, vomiting. You know, you've seen this probably in some movies of, of what it's like for cancer patients to get chemo. Well, imagine one hour once a month of chemo and then maybe some oral pills as well. Hyper CVAD, the chemo regimen I was in, was five chemo drugs, five of the most powerful chemo drugs in the world, each one for 12 hours at a time consecutively over five days. So four to five days. So I'd have four to five chemo drugs, 12 hours at a time. So imagine that. One hour of chemo a month can wreak havoc on your body. I had 12 times five, 
right? I had 60 hours of chemo every three weeks, eight times. Plus, they stuck me in the spine with chemo drugs called a lumbar puncture because my particular type of cancer, ALL, tends to turn into brain cancer. So what happens is they give chemo to patients and this they didn't you know initially this is something they discovered as they kept having ALL patients come down with brain cancer and often die of brain cancer because what happens is the cancer would actually like hide from the chemo in the spinal cord and then it would creep up the spinal cord it would keep trying to hide from the chemo and then it would go into the brain and it would become full blown brain cancer and people would die. So now part of the ALL regimen, the protocol, they give you spinal injections of chemotherapy to kill any cancer cells that are trying to go into your brain. They, and I'm like, you know, as you can imagine, especially being, I'm like a supernatural holistic guy. I don't like to take any even prescription medication. And I'm going, you're going to not just give me 60 hours of chemo through my vein. And by the way, the chemotherapy, some of the side effects of the chemo are leukemia. Think about that. I had leukemia and the, the medicine that they were using to try to kill my leukemia before it killed me, one of the side effects is leukemia. It causes leukemia. So it was, it was a challenge mentally, uh, as you might imagine. And so um, I want to wrap this up with the miracle equation. And it's very simple. Unwavering faith combined with extraordinary effort is what creates miracles in everyday life right? Unwavering faith combined with extraordinary effort creates miracles in everyday life. If you think about the greatest athletes in the world, when the game is on the line and there's only seven seconds left and it doesn't look like there's any chance that the, you know, the losing team can beat the winning team, you take a, a champion like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or a LeBron James, those are all basketball, obviously, but you can take any sport, right? And they want the ball because they have decided at some point in their lives or their careers that they will maintain unwavering faith that they can make every single shot that they take. And even though there's only seven seconds left, they say, hey, coach, give me the ball. And they believe with unwavering faith that they can make the game-winning shot. And they put forth extraordinary effort to do so. And they fight for to get, you know, right? If they're being covered by their man, they fight to get free. I mean, if you've ever seen Michael Jordan or any of these players at the la- you know, in, in the last seven seconds, like they're being covered by the best defender on the other team because the team knows that this guy's going to want the ball. He's, he's a champion, right? He has the mindset of unwavering faith. They're being covered with the best defender, so they have to un- extraordinary effort to get free from that defender, right? They catch the ball. Usually, it's like fading out of bounds or falling over, they, they, and they find a way to win the game and hit the shot. So unwavering faith is the first component, and it goes back to that quote from Brian Johnson, statistics are, not inf- are information, not condemnation. So for me, I know the miracle equation works. I've seen it in my life. We don't have time to go into detail in this episode. But just trust me on this. The first step is unwavering faith because the first thing that goes out the window when you're given a statistic that the odds are not in your favor is we usually lose faith that we're going to be okay, faith that we're going to win. And that's the first thing that goes out the window. You have to consciously choose to maintain unwavering faith despite the statistics or the odds. And then the second piece is extraordinary effort. And for me, doing coffee enemas, not comfortable. I took over 70 supplements. Then I researched all the supplements to make sure that they didn't have fillers and, you know, and, and it was 70 total. So, I mean, I was taking any given time, probably 30 to 40 supplements every single day, 30 to 40 supplements every single day. And that was, again, I, that was, I called that, called that my extraordinary effort. I was juicing almost every single day. I was drinking fresh organic juice to heal my body, build my immune system, right? I was doing ozone sauna. Basically, 
when you start researching all the holistic practices, I was doing acupuncture. I was doing all these holistic practices going over and above, even if it was uncomfortable, even if I was tired, even if I was sick from the chemo. And I really believe I had minimal side effects. Yes, I had some side effects. Yes, there were some days and or chemo treatments that were really more difficult than others. And I was in a lot of pain. There was one lumbar puncture where they stuck my spine and they did it the wrong way. And I, I was, I was very, uh, I was had horrific migraines for, I think eight days or eleven days or six days. I don't remember how many days, but uh, it was, it was horrible. But for the most part, I didn't vomit very often. Uh, I mean, only a few times in the entire eight months of chemo treatment, I didn't vomit very often. I just overall. My, you know, the doctors would tell me when I would meet with my doctor and they'd say, so tell me how have the side effects been? And I would tell them and they'd go, you have less side effects than people that are getting one hour of chemo a month and you're getting 60 hours of chemo every few weeks. That's amazing. How are you doing it? I'm like, well, doc, I'm doing all the stuff you told me didn't matter. Right. And there was, and you may sense it in my voice right now. There was, there was a real, it was a real internal struggle in a sense of, I don't want to say resentment. Cause again, I know the doc's doing the best he can, but it was almost it was, it was just frustration with the entire medical system going, man, there are 1.5 million cancer patients in the United States, I, I believe that's the statistic or that's the number, that they're suffering more than they need to because our traditional doctors, oncologists, they're not being taught all these other practices. You know, And one theory is because you don't profit when your patients do coffee enemas. You don't profit when your patients take supplements or when your prof- when your patients eat healthy healthier, right? There's not profit in that. So the pharmaceutical companies that are profit-driven companies, right? And again, this is a theory. I'm not I'm not stating this as fact, but that the theory is that the reason that our traditional medical doctors, oncologists and all types of doctors aren't given all this natural stuff that uh, this this the knowledge on all the natural protocols uh, and strategies and, and techniques and methods and all of that is because they're not going to spend a bunch of time teaching something that they're, they're not a profit from, right? They want the solution to be in the drug that they create. So again, that's a theory. It's not my own theory, but it's, it's one that, uh, you know, there may or may not be some truth to. So that's it. Unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort. And I believe the strategy that allowed me to not only beat my cancer, but to minimize the side effects of the chemotherapy that was wreaking havoc on my body you know, and I was a hundred and right, right, right around one hundred and seventy pounds before I got cancer. I got down to one hundred and twenty-seven pounds from the chemotherapy. So I went from uh, I'm six feet tall, and I lost right around forty pounds. You know, right around forty pounds. And and it's you know it's interesting, but you think about the picture of a cancer patient. You see someone who's lost all this weight. They're really skinny. They look sick, and they're you know they've lost their hair. Typically, they're bald. That's not someone who has cancer. That's someone who's getting chemotherapy. Think about that. Cancer doesn't make your hair fall out, you know. Uh, at least, I, I, not to my knowledge. I, I don't think most cancers make you lose weight. May, maybe if you're toward the end of your life and the cancer has, you know, um, you haven't healed it. But it's chemotherapy, right? The chemo. I mean, I literally lost twenty or thirty pounds in a matter of a week. Think about that. Not because of the cancer. The cancer. My weight was fine. My hair was fine. You know, right? My hair. Every hair on my body fell out. And I lost 40 pounds in a matter of weeks from the chemotherapy because the havoc was wreaking. So that's the summary of this episode. I want you to walk away with two things. Number one, consider if you have cancer or someone that you know, consider combining the best of traditional Western allopathic medicine with the best of natural holistic practices that build your body, build your immune system, detoxify your organs from the toxicity that the chemo is causing. So that's the first thing. 
And again, chrisbeatcancer.com is a great resource. And then the other is the Brian Johnson Conquering Cancer 101 video. That'll all be in the show notes, okay? And then below this episode uh, at halelrod.com forward slash podcast. By the way, that's where you can find every episode of the podcast, if not on you know iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. The other piece is if you, are, if you don't want to get cancer, I would highly encourage you to, again, watch the same resources, but I'd also encourage you to watch the DVD Healing Cancer from the Inside Out. And again, I know you're thinking, well, you, how you watch that and you still got cancer. Remember, I watched that and then the cancer I got was not diet related. It was not necessarily, or at least not, not to anyone's knowledge. So, and then last but not least, the miracle equation. Uh, and this is for, this is for every person for how to live life to the fullest, how to create extraordinary results. That's the way I define a miracle, not a religious miracle, but results beyond what most people would, would consider possible to where it feels like a miracle, where you can hardly even believe that it happened, right? That's why the Miracle Morning is called the Miracle Morning, not because it's a religious book, but because that morning ritual changed my life so fast, it felt like a miracle. That's the type of miracle that I'm talking about, self-created miracles, right? And not just self-created, I do believe that there is an infinite intelligence that is aiding us in any miracle that we create, an extraordinary result, but maintain unwavering faith that you can accomplish everything that you want in your life, whether it's healing cancer or being happy or you know uh, being coming a millionaire, right? Unwa- or winning the game-winning shot. Unwavering faith that you can achieve everything that you want in life, while you put forth extraordinary effort, so that you deserve what it is that you're maintaining faith in. Right? Think about that. When you maintain faith, something's going to happen. But if you sit back and don't do anything to make it happen, you don't deserve it right? You don't necessarily deserve it. But if you maintain unwavering faith, and then you put forth the extraordinary effort that is in alignment with that faith that will create the result that that faith is attempting to manifest, right? Well, now you can create miracles, results beyond what you might even believe at this point are possible for you. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Goal Achievers, I will talk to you next week. Or maybe John Berghoff will. I don't know. He runs <laughs> He runs the podcast with me. So one of us, either myself or John Berghoff, will catch you next week. And until then, we love you and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.